Oh, I was muted there for a sec. All right, welcome back to uh, Rise to Liberty podcast. Uh, tonight, we're just going to have a little bit of fun, talk about the uh, Utah Libertarian Party, some of the W's, some of the L's, and uh, kind of what we're hoping to see uh, for the upcoming year. Hopefully, we can make it better. So I'm joined by uh, Adam Feller and Jax Jensen, um, both... Uh, People who are actually dedicated, which seems to be kind of hard to find around here. And uh, Phil Lammy will be joining us here in a minute as soon as he gets his computer back up. So how are you doing tonight, gentlemen? Been doing great. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, yeah doing well. great to be back. Oh, yeah. Always, always a fun time. So how do you think the Libertarian Party of Utah did this year, just in general? When you ask these questions, you're going to have to give us a name or we're both going to talk over each other. Adam, why don't you go? <laughs> How did we do this sure. year? <laughs> sure. I think I think this year was was a really positive year. Um, I think that uh, we had we had growth in the party um, in terms of, of members. I think in terms of uh, electoral uh, results, I mean, obviously we want to have wins. Uh, we didn't get those, but I think we did make some headway, and I think we did have some some really positive trends in the the uh, percentage of votes uh, that we're getting. We see that number steadily rising year after year, um, and that's exciting to see. Uh, that means more people are getting the message, uh, more people are kind of understanding what a libertarian is, what the libertarian party represents, and uh, and it's appealing to more and more people in this this era of authoritarianism that, that, that we're growing into. Yeah. I second that, you know, we didn't get uh, many wins across the state. Um, but just as a anecdotal thing, our, uh, state party chair, um, ran, he's down in our County in Iron County and ran for a state Senate seat. And he did so well in the debates that after almost every one of them, we had multiple people come up and say, wait, you're libertarians. I loved his message. What did, you know, tell me more about, uh, where I can find more on your principles, you know, what, what are, the, you, you didn't talk about these few things in the debate because there was no time. How do you fill on those? And we were constantly answering questions about people were interested in our platform and our party because of the message that they heard from our candidates. So I think it was a win in that sense for sure. Thanks for uh, joining us, Phil. Um, I was just kind of asking everybody just how, they think the Utah Libertarian Party did as, uh, or in general this year? Well, I can definitely say that I believe the Utah Libertarian Party did a good job in fielding some candidates. Uh, I agree with Jax. It was good to see Barry's run for the Senate. There's promise there. There are some good and promising indicators when it comes to the voting. Um, I also can see the glass half empty, which is we still have yet to run a complete ballot up and down, especially in districts where there are no contested, um, you know, no other contestants against uh, um, single contested uh, candidates. And so there's a lot of work uh, that is ahead for us, uh, but I believe it is positive and we can use that momentum to our advantage going into 2023. So it definitely seemed like there was a, a lot of excitement around the party. Something that uh, 
from what I understand, just being told from people that have been in the party much longer than myself, that uh, kind of fizzled out there for a little bit, and it's been kind of hard getting it back going, and then it just has been picking up steam over the past couple of years. That's that's what I've heard. That's what I've heard as well. Again, I, I've I've been in the party, oh, two and a half years, I suppose. Um, and so, I mean, it, it, I've only really been a part of it in this last wave where I've seen just seen the excitement growing and growing um, as every month and every year go by. So I can't really speak to what what came before that, but um, I can tell that it, it definitely feels like we're in a crescendo right now and we're uh, we're, we're growing uh, both in excitement and, like I said, in members and in vote totals. So I, I think that's that's fantastic to see. Yeah, I, uh, I think as more and more authoritarianism is forced on people, it makes people more interested in the message of our party. So the, the worse the government acts, the more they create libertarians. And they've been acting very poorly lately. And so there have been more of us coming out of the woodworks and people look, giving us a serious look. And so those are, it's a negative that the government is acting poorly, but it's a positive that it's growing our movement and helping us spread our message. I can definitely say on my end, when I joined the National Party, when I lived in Hawaii, this is almost three and a half years ago, I had registered as an unaffiliated voter. So I was practically independent living in Hawaii. And when I accepted a job offer to come back to the U.S. mainland, um, I really wanted to get involved in the, the state party. And the state of things were such that the pandemic was coming into fruition. Uh, I got a hold of our chair, um, uh, and Amber Beltran was the chair of the party at the time. And so we were in the process of getting things going in the Salt Lake County. Uh, I, perchance, did end up being the first, most recent, um, I guess, in the past few years, chair of the Salt Lake County Caucus. And we essentially were trying to get things going. But I helped Jeremy Baker with the Joe Jorgensen campaign in 2020. And um, there was just not a lot going on as far as the structure. Of course, we had Barry who stepped in when Amber left to go to Idaho and lots of other people, a few other people who helped out. And, and we can talk about that in a later uh, time. Uh, but it really wasn't until late 2020 and then 2021 that things started getting going on an organization level. And I believe this next year we have a, an opportunity to really take advantage of a full-fledged uh, executive committee and uh, having a state executive committee on the political level will help support our counties. We, don't, we haven't really had full support from the state executive committee. It's not that we don't have an executive committee. We need everyone contributing um, more than just showing up to a meeting or missing a meeting every once in a while. That's a good point because I still haven't, like I've attended every one of the uh, um, state committee meetings and I they're still members of the executive committee I've never seen, never met. And so yeah, getting people in those positions who will actually fill the position, not just Hold the title, but fulfill the role would be uh, a huge step forward. And I see the state executive party really being the backbone and helping our county affiliates. And really, all it is 
is we need to find people who are interested in running for office, putting them on the ballot and getting them elected. If not the minimum, moving the overturn window over into the window. And so um, the political party exists to help advance uh, what we care about, which are libertarian principles or principles of liberty and uh, uh, putting a buffer against the authoritarians. And it, it's been difficult, but there's, there's hope here in Utah. So one thing I wanted to ask, um, what, what got all of you uh, to the point um, the, where you decided that this was the path to take uh, to most outsiders? I mean, it looks like we're wasting time. Uh, we don't win many races even across the entire nation. Um, so, you know, to a uh, complete outsider, it does look like we're just just wasting time and money. So why exactly do you feel um, that this is the the right path to go? Uh, let's start with you, Adam. For me, it was really, um, I mean, I was a not. I won't say apolitical. I was I was small L libertarian, um, anarcho capitalist, and and but I had completely checked out of of all things um, political or electoral, I guess you could say. Uh, but I really started to look in and see just kind of the way things were going, and and realized that you know, no, if 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 I just sit on the sidelines and don't get involved. Um, and just sit and and bitch and moan about about the way things are going. Um, I'm, I'm to me that that just didn't ring right. I, I can't be a complainer unless I've tried to make things better. And so, uh, you know, I talked with my wife and said, "Hey, I think this is something that's important enough to both of us. Uh, it affects the future of our children, the kind of country we, we want to leave to them." Um, and so let's do it. Let's, let's, we may make no difference, but if, if, if we can make even a little bit of difference, then that's a win. If we can move that needle, if we can move, you know, help move that Overton window as, as Phil was talking about, even, even an inch, uh, that's, we'll count that as a win. I'll take it. Jax. Um, so I've always been quite political. I got my degree in political science from the University of Utah and always been involved. Um, but typically it had been with the Republican Party until just recently, even though I was small L libertarian, I was, you know, libertarian in the same way, you know, Rand Paul is a Republican, but is libertarian or Mike Lee and that kind of stuff. Um, but then when I started to see, and there's some really good libertarians in the Republican Party and lots of good people. But when I started to just see the, their lack of effective and corruption at the top, I said, I'm, I'm going to try to support something that I know isn't going to be corrupted. Like the no, on the national level, the Republicans never reduce the size of government. They never get rid of any programs. They don't pardon the right people when they have the presidency. They don't get rid of bad laws like the Patriot Act when they have, you know, ha both houses of Congress. They, um, they just, they, they've learned how to talk the talk in order to get the votes, but then they always have the excuses on why they can't walk the walk. And I got tired of that. And I said, I'm going to, I'm such a small cog in the, their machine anyway. I'd rather be a cog in trying to help elect people who will actually walk the walk. I hear that. that I, I, was, I was a former Republican. Uh, I guess the last time I voted Republican was 
gosh, going on 20 years ago. Um, but uh, I, I, I was there and I'm right there with you. That was exactly what, what finally broke me uh, away from the Republicans. I was like, I, I cannot, I mean, at least Democrats will tell me what they are. Yeah. And uh, I don't like it. I don't like what they are, but they tell me what they are. Republicans, like you said, they they talk the talk and they say, oh, yeah, you know, you know, from, you know, July before an election to November, they'll, oh, you know, limited government and let's let's get the let's get the budget under control. And we need to uh, really clamp down and, and follow the Constitution. Uh, after Election Day, there's none of that. There's no follow through whatsoever. And I just. Yeah. I got tired of it. I got disgusted with them. And I was like, I, I, for the longest time, I, I hated Republicans more than I hated Democrats because I just couldn't stand, not necessarily the voting, the, the, the rank and file, but this, the politicians, I was like, just, they're so hypocritical. Can't yeah, at least with the Democrats, you can look your enemy in the face, but the Republicans, you get tired of getting stabbed in the back. And not just at the national level, the state level, like Gary Herbert and his lockdowns and mask mandates here in Utah. You know, yeah. and then, and Cox and his massive fear campaign. You know, you you have to mask up in school, and and if you don't like those rules, then we're going to threaten that we're going to arrest you if you don't. If you're not scared enough of the virus, then we'll increase your fear of the police. Like he he totally right. just ran a fear campaign against the population of Utah. He's absolutely disgusting, and he's the highest ranked Republican in the state. And so I I'm not going to be a part of that party. Yeah, I have to use this stat. I have to say you know. Uh, Republicans like to talk about, you know, fiscal conservatism. Um, the last Republican president who had a smaller cumulative deficit than the Democrat before him was elected 70 years ago, Dwight Eisenhower. Every other Republican president has run bigger deficits than the Democrat preceding him. They're not the party of small government. They never were from the very beginning, uh, from their foundation. They were all about big government, and that's what they are today. Yeah, it's uh, a party playing everyone for fools. Uh, it just seems very obvious to me. I mean, they they bent the knee, helped pass a $1.7 trillion uh, yes. spending bill. Yeah. It's like, you're going to turn around and tell me that you want limited government? Like, what was that just a couple of days ago? Right, right. Yep, I would give credit to the Democratic Party because the founding of the Democratic Party really came off of a mix of small governance, more federalism. Uh, of course, there are issues with uh, Democrats, especially when it came to slavery and some civil rights issues there. But uh, even then, they were strong on property rights, uh, having a hand um, uh, distance between the state governments and the federal government. And then, of course, uh, they lost their way over time. And, yeah, they and uh, so you can see this fall. Rise, right? And you can see this fall, um, really, of the Democratic Party into what it is now. And so in some ways, it's almost worse because this is supposed to be the, the party of Thomas Jefferson. And then, of course, Andrew Jackson. Up until recently, he was celebrated. And... And then, so now they've gone from really uh, not so bad to the absolute worst. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, I agree that the the Republicans really from the very beginning have been about strong uh, nationalism and never really about small government. They just use words to trick the people into keeping them in power. And really both of them are really in, in essence, a uniparty. 
they're they're all the elites and uh, they are beholden to corporate interest and anybody else that stands in the way of that is the enemy or should be shunned and um, um, exposed, you know, doxed, so to, so to speak. You know, I have to agree. Um, on, honestly, I'm just getting really sick of it at this point. It's very clear divide and conquer. Um, it, it's like team sports, you know, it's like watching a football game, like the biggest football game in the country every four years. Uh, smaller ones in the state every two and it's just i don't know i'm i'm tired of it um because it doesn't mean anything um these people are going to do what they want in the positions that they want and anyone who actually does have good intentions i mean how much can they really get done um i'm genuinely shocked at people like uh Rand paul who was able to make such a big splash calling Fauci out, which loved it, thought it was great. But I mean, beyond maybe a few things that do help uh, his constituents, like exactly what could he get done with the, the crushing weight of just so many people who are in it for themselves or in it to actively hurt people? Jacob, you had asked earlier about how we came into libertarianism. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. I'll, if you don't mind, I'll go ahead and answer that for myself. Go for it. So it's been about 30 years since I've been following federal politics uh, and Congress. Uh, I can I can say I recognize too many people still in federal government. <laughs> uh, I, we could have another discussion on that. Uh, but I was one of those nerds who would actually watch C-SPAN, watch the House, watch the Appropriations Committee, watch the Senate proceedings, and get to know who these people are. And um, I, one of my uh, earliest recollections uh, in my teenage years, I remember uh, that phrase that both President Bill Clinton and Vice President Al Gore championed. And they had a huge banner and said, the era of big government is over. Uh, now, it, it, I haven't heard a Democrat president ever say that since then, uh, which I believe was in 1993. And so, uh, and really, I haven't heard Republicans convincingly say that either. But as I got older, I did join and help some campaigns. I was a Republican as well, as a few of you guys already. Um, I did grow up as a fairly conservative person. I am a, a conservative individual as far as a personal life. I'm not libertine. Uh, and then, but it really took the war in Afghanistan, the war in Iraq to truly open up my eyes to the problems of the military industrial complex to see how much the president of the United States and Congress, I mean, I know that Congress was playing around, but to see how the president himself uh, in either party uh, just was not really principled. So Bill Bill Clinton, of course, we know his foibles. There's some strengths. There's obviously some weaknesses. But then you look at George W. Bush uh, as in trying to, um, in one way, correct the wrongs of his father's uh, could have been better legacy uh, with doing the war in the Middle East. And then you could see the problems of uh, all the other initiatives, privatization of Social Security up into present time. Uh, you know, we have to break the rules of capitalism to save capitalism. And so let's pass TARP. <laughs> I 
And so, uh, and go to Obama years, and here we are today. Uh, so I've, I've been in multiple campaigns and helped out, and I, uh, it's been nearly 20 years since my eyes were opened um, to not just Congress being inept, but that it's also the executive. And really, the judiciary is not much of help. Uh, I, I like to say nowadays, Jacob, and this is going to sound horrible, that I was not born into the republic that was created with the founders. Uh, so I have not really experienced what I would think to be a true land of liberty without threat of going to jail uh, from a government if I don't willingly give up my income um, to them to do whatever they want with it without even any of my input. If I don't give it to them willingly or report on it willingly, they'll throw me in a cage, take my property and my income and I lose my liberty. So really, we live, we live in a system where you really don't have freedom on an economic means. You may have religious freedom, but really, your freedoms are in place due to extortion. Now, I agree with George Jorgensen on that one thing. She, she believes that taxation is extortion more than theft, although I, I can argue that in both cases. So that's my political background, and I really want to promote liberty, promote our individual rights. And I can see sometimes the Democrats promoting that. And sometimes Republicans doing that, but we've got to have issued coalitions that will help promote um, whatever side, whatever issue to promote, promote um, that in our lives, in our society. No, I totally agree. Um, you know, I just, I don't see another option. I, I don't want to be involved uh, in either legacy party Um one big issue for anyone who doesn't know, Utah is a very deeply red state, although I think it's actually more purple these days. Uh, there, there's a lot of uh, two-faced people who will run as a Republican, but they're actually Democrat. Um, Governor Cox comes to mind. <laughs> um, but it's, I don't know, it, it just seems pointless. And I only ever saw the Libertarian Party is an actual shot at something. And, uh, you know, I spend quite a bit of time working uh, with and for the party uh, alongside gentlemen like you. And honestly, I don't regret a single second of it, regardless of uh, how much we get done on Capitol Hill. For sure. It's about principles, right? About living those principles, following those principles and, and trying to let everybody know trying to, you know, you know, sing it from the mountaintop just, you know, or from the rooftops and, and letting people hear our message. Uh, we have a, you know, the party is based around libertarianism, which is a beautiful philosophy that maximizes peace, maximizes prosperity, um, and is really the right answer for so much of, of what we're going through today. Um, yeah, and I think even if even if our candidates lose, um, if we can create a, a movement or a sense of feeling among you know masses of people that this is the policy we like, you know, we're going to vote for the Republican, but man, we really like what the Libertarian says about something, and then they tell their representative, hey, we, that's what we like. We like that message in the debate. He heard the cheers on the debate stage when the Libertarian said we need to reduce taxes or we need to or whatever the policy is, right? 
it, when he, when they hear that, they go, okay, that's a, that's a popular message and I'll, I'll go for it. And as long as, as long as we can push them that way, that's still a win. I, I don't have, I, in fact, I almost don't, I don't want to be the person making the decision. I don't want to have the power. I just want to make sure the person in power actually supports Liberty. And so even if I lose, if my, if the effect of my running means that the person who does win will be more libertarian leaning because of the influence I had, I count it as a win. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with that. Um, at this point, because it, it seems like things are so, uh, so drastic, so, so dire these days, um, any, any move of that Overton window back to even just a balanced position, um, I'm all for it. So, and, uh, one, one thing that I myself have been personally just trying to, uh, get out to people. I, I hit people with a, a pretty radical message sometimes. And it's in the hopes that uh, I can show the difference between uh, a, a radical and an extremist. Uh, I think it kind of gets mixed up. Um, those words get used interchangeably uh, from a noun to an adjective. And when you do that, it kind of muddies the, the uh, definitions, the, the usage of the word. And so I think people hear the word, you know, radical, and they'll think of the last two years, the fear porn that's been just shoved down our throats from, you know, state propaganda machines, which people call it legacy media. Um, so I, it's the Overton windows tipped one way and I'll do anything I can to pull it back down, even just even. So just to get the conversation to where, uh, when I said, uh, in my campaign that I wanted to abolish all government involvement in schooling period, got quoted as a radical in the paper. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, (laughs) but now when, uh, people hear that again, it might not be so radical next time when, uh, things keep going the way that it is. So that's, that's at least my hope. Exactly. How when they hear it once, it's radical. When they hear it five, the fifth or tenth or twentieth or thirtieth time, then it's oh, I hear this a lot, and so our ideas become more palatable and less radical. That's that's exactly. Yeah. It. Well, and really, they're only so radical just because, uh, you know, the the Overton window is so extreme to one side, and uh, they're they're what, what's acceptable to that one side, so. Yeah, I, I don't actually believe we are the radicals. Um, it's just a sign of the times. The very first time I got called a radical was at the University of Utah. The one conservative <laughs> political science teacher, uh, professor up there, we, I was having a discussion in his office and uh, about the size of government. And I you know, said it was way too large. Whatnot. He's like, well, how would you fix it? I said, well, I'd start with the Department of Education. I just totally get rid of it. And his jaw dropped and his eyes got big. He's like, oh, that's way too radical. You're just too extreme. Like, are you kidding me? It's the Department of Education. Nothing has gotten any better since it was created. There's no provision for it in the Constitution. It's just a money hole. And, you know, that was too radical. But I hear that more and more often, that that's something we need to get rid of is the Department of Education. It's not radical. So you're in good company when you're a radical, I'm afraid. Yeah, exactly. And to go back to kick that dead horse one last time, it was it wasn't it wasn't that long ago that the Republican Party was saying 
the exact same thing, but you will not hear that from them ever again. Rick Perry tried. He just couldn't remember the names of all three. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, in the Trump administration, we did hear that from the uh, Secretary of Education. Yeah, she said upon leaving office, this needs to be abolished. So we have heard it recently, but not from Congress. Right, right. That's the biggest problem at the national level is the, you know, rather than term limits on actually elected officials, you almost need term limits on the bureaucrats running these departments because Congress just hands over their authority. You guys make your rules on how you want to run and then they enforce it. They've got their own police state. They set up their own courts to adjudicate whether you've broken the rule or not. And then they punish all within their own bureaucracies. It's, it's that, that's where the biggest change needs to come. That's, yeah, that's the fourth branch of government, right? The fourth branch. Mm-hmm. Is the bureaucracy that never leaves and gets worse? Yep, all the nepotism. <laughs> yeah, and I've I've heard that as a as a as an intriguing argument against um, term limits. Actually, now, I'm I'm for term limits. I like the idea, but but I've I've also heard the argument of you know these uh, elected officials get in there and they are they're in an environment where the bureaucrats hold a whole lot of power, especially when you're talking about law enforcement or intelligence agencies. They hold a lot of power, and it's not until they've, you know, they've been in office for a long time that 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 they start to have a little bit more power, and they're the elected official instead of the bureaucrat. If you institute uh, term limits, then uh, you, you get a rookie in there who's starting over at zero. So that, I mean, that to me, that's that's an intriguing argument. Um, I, I still like the idea of term limits, but but yeah, term limits for the bureaucracy is probably even more important on a, on a local scale, more anecdotally, like my local school board, right? We elected two really good candidates last election cycle. Our new ones haven't gotten in by our last election cycle and they're really good. I love their policies and principles, whatnot, but a lot of the, because they had no experience and they were still learning on how things are supposed to operate. They kind of just do what the administration told them. Well, this is how it works. Right. And it happens on school board level, state level, national level. The administrators and the people who are there say, well, this is how it works and this is how it operates and this is what we do. And so they'll just follow along. And so if every two years or six years or whatever, we're constantly sending new people, that gives the bureaucrats way more power to just say, this is the way it is. And and then and if you really do elect somebody who's going to stand up for them and push back, they'll just wait them out because they know they have to be gone in two terms. Right. Right. Yeah, that's a good point because in Congress, uh, you can that that will be the case. We know with the military budget, which I know uh, earlier this year they said uh, you know at best thirty percent of all the money you know sent to Ukraine was actually sent to Ukraine, and the other seventy percent is all that middleman money, right? Well, that <laughs> the military-industrial complex has a stake in this, and remember, uh, a, a recession for them is if there's no more wars. And uh, that whole department uh, has people in and out. And look, I used to live in Washington, D.C., uh, going back a decade ago, over a decade ago. And you see people going from one department, one agency to another, and they just live over there. You know, living in Washington, D.C. during the last Great Recession, there was no recession in Washington, D.C. The day that Washington, D.C. has a recession will be a miracle because we need to cut back this government and this government, this budget tremendously. Uh, although I'm a little more black-pilled guys. So unlike Michael Malice, where he's white-pilled, <laughs> I'm pretty black-pilled. Um, but uh, I can see that term limits 
can play a role in that. Not that we want to, people like Chuck Schumer and people who have been there forever and ever, or those Strom Thurmonds who will fall asleep during a hearing at the same time with Robert Byrd. Uh, so that, <laughs> or our president. Uh, but there is something to be said to oh, have yeah. protection against the fourth, uh, the unelected branch of government. So it, it seems as though, uh, you know, I, I don't want to speak for any of the other members or even uh, you, you guys here, but it does seem like, you know, a lot of us kind of have the uh, the same path in mind. We're all working um, as well as we can, uh, moving in the right direction. What are some of the things that you think we could have as a party, uh, whether it be county parties or uh, state party, could have done better this year that we should uh, look out for in the coming year? Run more people. Find more people to fill the positions. Uh, then once we actually have people to run for the slots, then we can consider improving the quality of candidates we have. But first, we just need candidates um, that are consistently there so people see Libertarian on their party ballot every single time. They know we're here and they know we're for real if they see it every time. They can't know we're for real and we're worth voting for if sometimes we're there and sometimes we're not. Yeah, half in, half out. Mm -hmm. what, what do you say, Phil? So we have friends, right? We have no acquaintances. We have family. We know people that are small L libertarians, maybe those who are big L libertarians. The reality is they want people want to see a successful movement. They want to see that the party that they want to affiliate with has it going on, has the structure. I'm a big believer in the structure of a party, not for the sake of having structure, but so that those who um, are brought in have something to do. They're given a task and a responsibility. And often that will also be to run for office. So I, I double not only as the uh, elected um, secretary of the uh, Utah Libertarian Party, but also I was nominated uh, in absence of a, of a chair um, and the vice chair stepped down. So I was nominated by the executive committee of the Utah County Libertarian Party. And I've been leading that for over a year now. And what really needed to happen was a structure. And so I've expanded um, uh, based upon my advice the year previously, I had recommended to the county um, when I was filling in um, to help when I was a Salt Lake County uh, chair uh, to consider expanding roles. And so one unique thing of Utah County is that we have three regional representatives. And what that does is it provides an opportunity for people part of the county to have a contact uh, to help grow the party. And in turn, these representatives and those who come to our meetups uh, hopefully are, um, well, I know in the North County for sure, are getting to know other people. And by getting to know each other, then we're growing a base. And as we grow our base and we discuss the issues and we support our candidates who have run for office, then we build confidence and we build a structure where people, when they come into the party, they can see, oh, wow, this is not just a ragtag group. This really is a real movement. And so I'm big on structure. And that is one thing I will continue to pursue. I don't know um, how much my involvement will be. Um, I, I don't want to be <laughs> secretary and vice chair of a county. Um, that's, uh, a, those are heavy roles to play. I would rather dedicate one of my time to them. So we'll see what, what happens 
later this year. But I'm a big on structure, and I believe the state party can help lead with that. I'm optimistic that our state party will lead and help uh, as we go in with the, to electing new officers uh, for the 2023 through 25 period. Yeah, I think um, I think the opportunities we have um, continuing to get our message out there. Communications is is I think is a, is a big is a big opportunity. Um, getting our message out there. I mean, we we we're on social media. We're doing it. Um, I also think there's there's other opportunities and other ways. You know, press releases and a lot of times what we run into is people don't know what libertarianism is. And they don't know what libertarians believe, or if they think they know, they have it completely wrong. They think that liber, you know, they think that libertarian is is a, a synonym for libertine, or they think that uh, libertarianism is just uh, social Darwinism, right? You know, depending on their on their <laughs> on where they're coming from, they they just they have they have you know these caricatures in mind not not what we actually believe and i think we have to counter that and get the correct message out there as much as we possibly can um i think the fundraising is a, is a big opportunity that we need i i learned you know I, I i ran for for state senate and one of the things that I, I learned so much but one of them was whether we like it or not uh money is the lifeblood of politics and you're just, I mean, you, you'll hear these, these stories about, oh, you know, the, this, this, uh, this upstart politician unseated and primary, the establishment candidate. Uh, there's a reason why we hear so much about them because they're so rare. So I'm not saying it can never happen, but um, one thing I think that we got to do is we got to, we got to figure out ways to, to pull in more money. Um, and whether that be through getting our membership to sign up for monthly uh, monthly contributions rather than doing it every year, um, or you know ha having more fundraisers, uh, whatever we can, having more events where we we can you know pull people in and 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 get those get those uh, contributions going. That's really that's really really important. Uh, the last one I really think is issue coalitions. Um, you know, there are single issue voters out there, whether it be for um, medical cannabis, whether it be for uh, school choice, there's all, there's all, you know, there's a number of different single issue voters out there uh, that we could really court and, and ally with. And I think that's, that's an area that we can uh, become more active. And um, I mean, when we do that, we have to, we have to bring something to the table. We have to have something to bring to the table. We're not like, the Republican or Democrats, where we can say, "Oh yes, we will sponsor and and support this legislation." So, what we have to bring is the volunteer power. That's what we have, and we have to bring the the communication and the volunteer power. That's that's what we can bring to the table. And so, I think that's uh, I think those are the things that those are the opportunities. Um, now we're we've we're a small party. We're we're growing, but but we we have been small. Uh, I think it's. I think 2023 and 2024 gives us, I think those are, that's a good time for us to start, start taking those steps and, and, and really, you know, leveling up uh, our game. I'd like to see a billboard campaign, just a short one, pick one billboard and change the message once a month, you know, 
libertarians, the party of leave me alone. And then you change it to, you know, libertarians, the, the, you know, supporting the second amendment or, you know, libertarians, the party of bodily autonomy or, you know, whatever, change the message once a month, just one billboard, just have our name constantly in front of people in a high traffic area and just a little bit of increased awareness. Um, I think would go a long way. Change the message as often as feasible with the finances. Billboards tend to be fairly cheap. And just just put us out there more often than just election time. I, I like completely agree. Um, I personally would like to have it get to a point where uh, people on Capitol Hill wouldn't be able to turn a corner without seeing one of us. Seeing a libertarian up there. Um reporting back to somebody or, you know, making comments, uh, sending letters to the editor in the Salt Lake Propaganda Tribune. Um, I mean, just just constantly just bombard them and just be like, we're here. We're not going to go away. So you're going to have to address us this, uh, you know, the longer we're here. Um, There's I, a I, lot. Go, keep them. Sorry. I was just going to say, I think we've just been kind of, you know, swept away and uh i'm i'm not accepting that I'm, i want to fight back metaphorically no i think you're absolutely right and uh not just the well adam mentioned uh what was it the service power the manpower people showing people show up i think a lot of it is uh just showing up but then the the ability to just spread information like you say show up to the capital so i consistently showed up my, my city council meetings like i just wanted to know what was there and i started letting people know and and I ended up getting myself elected to city council. I just started showing up to school board meetings. And now I've got, I don't know, I think I'm up over 800, approaching 900 members that are following a Facebook page where I just tell people what's going on in our school district. Um, somebody recently called me the most influential person in our school district, and I'm not even elected to the position. Um, just because I show up and then I tell people what's happening. So parents know and teachers know and because the all these bureaucracies are terrible at PR. They don't they they want to just operate and not let people know. They don't all want to do that, but they're terrible at telling them. So if we'll just show up, get, let them know we're going to keep showing up, get information, tell others. Eventually, when they know that you're going to be there, they'll ask your opinion. They'll run ideas by you. They'll you, you'll have a little bit of influence just because you're consistent. If we will just be the party, if we're going to show up. And we're going to spread information about what you're doing. They'll want to know, hey, if I do this, how are you going to interpret that to the people who talk to you? You know, are, are you are you going to tell several hundred people that I'm doing a good a good job or a bad job? All politicians, they say they all know how to count, right? So if we're going to tell people, hey, they're doing a bad job, and they know we're going to do that because we're always on Capitol Hill, or we're always in our school board meeting, or we're always in our city councils, you know, whatever you can go to. That is where real influence can happen, even if we aren't elected. Yeah, Jax, if you're living up here in uh, the North, the Wasatch Front, you could be uh, side by side with Gail Rezica, you know, Eagle Forum. She's been head of the Capitol uh, consistently for for years and years and years. Yeah, and so if I, was there, there. I would be a permanent fixture at the state school board, doing at the state school board, but I'm <laughs> doing at my local school board. Absolutely, I would. Yeah. Hey, wouldn't you say? Um, th throwing back to this idea uh, of getting a message out, I, I fully agree that we need to have a message that is clear. A libertarian stand for our individual liberties, economic freedom, 
and uh, supporting the rule of law, property rights, and those such of things. You know, we consent having our message out there is important. I mean, there was a story I just read was yesterday uh, in San Francisco peddling this idea that it's libertarians' fault <laughs> for the drug woes in the city of San Francisco. That. Yeah, which joke. blow your mind because libertarians <laughs> have little to zero influence, and it's the progressive politics that have everything to do with the drug war on a federal level, on a local level, on a state level, and, and to, you know, I think this conflation between libertarianism and libertinism uh, has it perpetuates these problems, and so we got to have a message to push back, saying we're not libertines, we're libertarians. Do you and want to kind of explain a what a libertine is real quick? Go ahead. Do you want to explain for uh, anyone who doesn't know what a libertine is, what, like what the difference is? Sure, sure. Th those who have a libertine lifestyle are generally carefree. Their morals or values are not particularly uh, pinned down. Uh, the more free-going, free-willing. Uh, there's some interesting uh things about a libertine lifestyle where, you know, not really caring and moving on with your life sounds kind of fun and freeing, but that also leads to irresponsibility. You know, libertarianism is not about be being carefree and not worried about how the results of your actions are. We still believe in personal responsibility and we believe that our government should be held responsible, especially. So libertinism, uh, you throw out your principles, throw out right and wrong, morals uh, uh however you want to look at it as an individual level uh so you know we, we're not the party of libertinism yes we don't want the government telling us what we can do but doesn't mean that we don't want to hurt other people um take their stuff and uh tell them what they can and can't do um consentingly as adults right so libertinism for sure is is not does not equal libertarianism libertarianism is believing that everyone has property rights um and individual rights that are not enumerated. <laughs> there are so many. And that they're, they're, they should be protected um, and by the rule of law. And we do believe in the rule of law. Just we don't use the rule of law against someone else's rights. Yeah, you know that old song, uh, if it makes you happy, it can't be that bad. That's, that's libertinism. Um, libertarianism is, you know, don't, other, don't hurt other people or take their stuff. You know, there's... Yeah, there's your first billboard. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't believe that our ideas are actually unpopular. Um, once we can set the record straight, I I get a great response until I run into a a pink okami, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> Um, I refuse to let those people go, though. I'm a little relentless with them. <laughs> um, Although, wouldn't you say, Jacob, that code pink, the quote-unquote pink people who were the anti-war people that harassed Hillary Clinton in those years? I mean, I don't know where they are anymore, but those are the only pink people I can think of that were anti-war that I would yeah. have any favorable opinion for. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can, I can get behind their stance on that. Uh, I can't speak... Yeah for any other stance, but I fully support that. Yeah, it's that single issue coalition, right? Yep. Hey, yeah. Um, if you can find them. We may just we may disagree on everything else, but hey, let's let's stop these wars. Yeah. Yeah. If they don't if they don't involve us defending our, our property and our land, um, 
then they're unnecessary and they're going to cause more damage and, and harm than than helping you know going out to hurt other people using the force of uh our military might against the will of other people uh when it's not in defense of our liberties here on our land and our soil and our property it's 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 more than just unnecessary it's evil yep yeah i would agree with that hey guys um, i gotta go i got i have to actually go spread that message in a little, little civics meeting so i gotta go it's been a pleasure talking to you um, can I leave you with one quick thought that I had while we sat here listening to this about the the spread of the message and letting people know what we are? Uh, Always. The, the slow and steady uh, passage of the stream uh, does more to carve the canyon and to change the mountains and the landscape than does the occasional flood. So it's not just the massive information around the elections. It's the slow and steady, the drips that are consistent and out there all the times so that will really form your landscape. So um, let's let's make that happen in 2023. Thanks, fellas. Yeah. Anytime. Thanks for coming, Jax. Thank you. So one, one thing I, I kind of wanted to address is uh, th this is a personal gripe of mine. This is a little inside baseball of, uh, you know, uh, libertarian, uh, like the, just, just the culture, I guess, is that some people have uh, certain issues that are really important to them and that's their number one thing. And that's great. Um, my, my example um, is like the, the sex work issue. And no, I don't want people arrested for it, but that's not something that's not my number one issue. Like I can think of so many other things that, but there are people in the party who that's their thing. Um, so the, issue that I have within the culture is the idea that just because I'm not backing it up the way that some of these people are, or, you know, I'm not bringing awareness to it, then, you know, I either don't support it or anything. And it kind of divides everything. Um, it's just, it's also not something that I would personally promote either. It's uh, not something I would normalize in my daily life. Um, just because I don't want you arrested for it doesn't mean that I want it uh, to be as normal of a job as a plumber or a welder. Cheating on your spouse. Cheating on your spouse. I don't think you should be arrested for it. But I also don't recommend that people do it. And I think it's morally wrong. Um, I, I look at it kind of like that. Um, I mean, sex work is work. Well, yeah, sure. I mean, yeah, it's work. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, does that mean that I want my children to, to grow up to be sex workers? No, no, that's, it's, it's a dangerous lifestyle. Now it's, it's made, it's made more dangerous by the fact that it has to be done on the black market. I, I, I grant you that, but that is not, you know, it, it's still not something that, I'm going to be like, oh, you know, I, you know, if, if one of my kids becomes a lawyer and the other becomes a sex worker, I'm not going to be like, oh, I'm, I'm just as proud. I, that's just as, I'm just as uh, happy with the, with that choice as I am become the lawyer. Although I don't like, I don't like lawyers either. So maybe, maybe that's not <laughs> uh, the best example. But um, I, I think that libertarianism puts the puts the primacy on the individual. And we 
we say, hey, we're not going to initiate force. Um, and so what people do all with their own lives, that's, you know, that's, that's, that's up to them as, as long as they're not, they're not, you know, kind of violating uh, other people's rights. Um, that doesn't mean that you have to approve or condone or encourage any type of, uh, any type of uh, lifestyle. Um, you can have your personal uh, disagreements with the way somebody is conducting their life. Um, you can even criticize, uh, you know, them in public. You can use your freedom of speech to say, "I don't think this is a good idea," and this is why. Um, that's not that's not violence. That's not that's not infringing on anybody's rights. Uh, are you telling me words are not violence? <laughs> Uh, that is what I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> okay. Sticks. I mean, you know, we, we often talk about how, you know, libertarianism is really like it, it's you're taught everything you need to know, you know, in preschool, you know, don't take other people's stuff. Don't hurt them. Sticks and stones break your bones, but you know, words will never hurt you. That's, you know, yeah. words to live by. Right. Yeah. Um, Unless you're a snowflake. <laughs> Right. It's, you know, kind of grow thicker skin because, you know, what we want is a, is a, is a diverse marketplace of ideas. People need to be able to speak what they say. And, you know, there's going to be some people who have very terrible ideas, you know, but that's going to work itself out in the marketplace. There is a, and I think Jacob, you and I have talked on this show about this before, how there is a, there's a very real economic and social cost to having some of the more you know, abhorrent ideas and thoughts. You know, there's a reason why Ku Klux Klan members always wore masks because they didn't want people to know who they were uh, because yeah. there would have been a social cost to doing that. Um, and today in the information age, I mean, uh, there's even, even more so. Um, so I think, yeah, I think that libertarianism doesn't tell people what they, it doesn't tell its adherents what it needs to be okay with. It just tells them, don't use force. Don't initiate force to try to get people to live the way you want them to live. Use reason, persuasion. That's what you need to do. And that's, that's, that's where I stand on it. Would you say that when we talk about the attack on sex work or any work, and, and I, I also don't agree with sex work on a personal level, uh, would you say that this really becomes a bigger discussion because we have an income tax and really any work that we do is being tracked, is being regulated for the sole purpose of extracting money from the economy out of our pockets to fund activities that we may or may not agree with. Uh, I'm, I'm a big proponent of no income tax, either on a federal level or a state level. And when the income tax is gone, then it really doesn't matter how you get your money as far as an economy. Yes, when it comes to moral principles, yes, there are social costs to those, I would say, immoral activities. And mm. they usually weed themselves out. A yeah. society that wants to prosper and live, is it can't uh, coexist or support, let's say, a, a society built on murder and assassinations or theft. Um, and so those those aren't going to work out. Um, but putting that aside, really, the income tax 
is such a huge issue. And so that we get these battles on the culture front, you know, you know, we're going to protect sex work or we're going to protect, um, you know, the industry of selling uh, dangerous drugs. Really, if you want to take dangerous drugs or if you want to uh, have relationships with many people or who knows what, you could do that. The problem is, of course, there's going to be the, uh, the cost of that on a social level and a personal level. But really, it comes down to taxation and control. And, and so what we need is a liberalization of our economic engine, of our society, so we can determine it as we as individuals what we want to do. Sure, we can have the private industry dictate, okay, what are those standards? And uh, they can police themselves. And of course, if there's fraud, then, then we have court uh, and we have uh, contracts that we can uh, litigate, right? Uh, if, we, if we can focus on our rights being uh, primal or the primary. But really, this comes down to the control. And so uh, let's get rid of the income tax and let's take control again of our freedom or else you'll see like they do in California, you know, they regulated, uh, they're regulating miracle marijuana, marijuana out of business or so that the black market is thriving even more so than before the medical marijuana legalization. Yeah, yeah I completely agree. Um, I would love to just have sound money, no debt. Um, I would really like to see you're a radical, you know, that you're crazy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I would, I'd really like to see uh, government programs or budgets all set up on like a GoFundMe style um, system. Everything uh, it, they have to pitch to us why they need our money. And, you know, the best sales pitch is, is what's going to get funded and the other things won't. Seems pretty, pretty damn fair to me because if it's, if it's that great of an idea, they'll have no problem funding it at all. And then both sides are moral. Yeah, but the corporates disagree. They they want their will and they want guaranteed profits. I mean, the war industry, you know, they can't have a recession, man. They have their bottom line to protect. <laughs> and that's also including members of Congress who own their shares. Well, it's pretty easy when you have, uh, you know, uh, economic favoritism bestowed upon you by the almighty big brother. So, you know. I, I wouldn't want to stop getting special treatment either. You know, I don't want to get turned into the redheaded stepchild at the back of the line waiting for food when I've been, you know, the economic leader for the past 60 years. For sure. There's, uh, there's economic interests, um, powerful and entrenched economic interests that are, that drive a lot of the, a lot of the decisions that are made, but yeah, like when, what you're saying, Phil, I mean, when you talk about income tax, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a general rule. If you tax something, you're going to get less of it. And all right. Whenever you tax work, whenever you tax income, yeah, you're going to get, you're going to get less of it. Uh, and you'll have people that, you know, you'll have these gray markets that, that pop up. Um, you know, like you said, that whether, whether regulating and, and taxing, medical marijuana so much that that black market or gray market starts to pop up again. Um, you're, uh, you're shooting yourself in the foot. Yeah. Look at, at Utah, you know, how can Utah really promote itself as being the place to come and live and do business? And as in the past few recent years, Utah has become very expensive on the housing front. It's become yeah. a California as of like, you know, maybe six to eight, eight, 10 years ago in pricing. 
it's no longer affordable. Now, of course, we'll have um, the real estate market will correct in some form and fashion. But let's be honest, uh, what is Utah bringing to the table? Uh, I had a discussion uh, with uh, Senator Matson uh, just a few weeks ago, and uh, he did question on the strategy of the party. You know, why should we focus on getting rid of the grocery tax when we could you know, get rid of the income tax and then those who spend their money uh, fund the economy that uh, fund the government that they're, uh, you know, looking to fund instead of hitting people in the pocketbook. And I think of that, you know, there's a point to that. Why do people move to Texas? Why do people move to Florida? Why do people move to New Hampshire or Washington state or Nevada where there are no income taxes? And then there's the, there's the question that no one wants to, to ask or maybe answer, which is why do seniors, why do highly successful business people leave the country? and work overseas as expatriates and then still have practically the only obligation, only citizens they have in the world practically to report on their income to the federal government while not being domiciled within the physical boundaries of the United States. No other country in the world except for Eritrea does this. And, and so it, you, you start questioning where's the true freedom if you're obligated like a slave to forfeit your income a certain percentage with the threat of force. So you got people who um, are working overseas who are finding their freedom. Now, some have given up their U.S. citizenship. Uh, some have chosen countries that are not that great, really. They're highly authoritarian. Some have chosen ones that are great. They have little to no income tax and less regulation. So these are some questions we got to consider. How can Utah really be competitive? How can our country be competitive? I really don't think, like, I'm black-pilled. I'm sorry. I'm not Michael Malice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> how really is this country going to promote itself and be better and compete when it attractively does the very opposite? But Utah has an opportunity, even though we live in this system where we're captive to the federal government. Yeah, I, I can agree with that. So I, I think we'll start wrapping up here so I don't keep you guys too long. Um couple of just quick questions that we'll wrap up on. Um, so for this, what, what I would like to do is uh, lay out a couple of goals um, that, you know, a couple of realistic goals that we could come back to uh, this point at the end of 2023, see if we reach those goals. Uh, so if you could choose anything, uh, I, either of you, one or two of them, uh, what goals would you like to see the, uh, Utah Libertarian Party meet by the end of 2023? I think, um, I don't know a good dollar amount to, to put on it, but I, I definitely think like putting a, a focus on on fundraising and, um, you know, what what amount, I, I don't know. Uh, but but I think, you know, doubling our operating budget, I, I you know, that might be too much, but uh, I, I think that again. I think that 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 if we want to be serious players, um, getting getting you know focusing on fundraising um, will be will be really important. Phil, that's a good one. Fundraising is important, and fundraising will will help to what I think is getting the message out. We need our message to be out there so people can hear it and resonate. And say, yeah, I've been disaffected too. When over forty percent of the people do not affiliate with the party, there's that's a sign that people are really 
uh, not happy. My wife didn't even vote in the presidential election. And I told her this morning, and we had this conversation, said, you are pretty much like a libertarian. I mean, when you go to the national convention, there are many people who vote none of the above. And she practically voted none of the above by not even voting. <laughs> so, uh, and she's not a libertarian, uh, although she's I'm very much leaning. But the fundraising will help fund a message and then we'll prepare uh, to entice people to come and to join the cause of liberty. People need to be motivated and having that fundraising stream to help get the message out will be critical. Otherwise, we're going to flounder and we're going to continue to have issues. Yeah. <clears throat> to follow up on what you were saying, Phil, I think that uh, that communication, like I said, was, is, is really important in what you were saying and really explain to people on a on a ground level, like how uh, libertarianism will help their lives. I think that's really key. Yeah. Yeah, I could definitely agree. Um, I think we're in a pretty decent spot to where uh, we focus uh, as the, uh, the end goal being, or the, the end game being, you know, the more fundraising, um, but starting with Phil's focus of uh, the the foundation and the structure, um, I, I think we are in a perfect spot um, in our in our uh, path of wherever we're going to end up. That we have the perfect opportunity, we have enough people, and then as soon as we get that structure just a little bit more solid, start bringing that money in, it will it'll just take off like a wildfire here in Utah. <laughs> a good wildfire. We don't want yes, a forest fire. No. So personally, um, like I said, my goal, I would just like, I would like to see us in the newspaper more or uh, on the news, of course, for good things. Um, always just I would, having somebody there. Sorry, Jacob, I, not to interrupt, but... I, even if they were telling, even if they were lambasting us and saying how crazy we are and how dangerous our ideas are, they were. If if we forced them into a situation where they felt like they <laughs> had to address us and they had to, you know, take on the argument, that's a win in of itself. Even if even if they're attacking us, I'll, I'll take it. Let's take it. Well, look at Rocky Anderson, right? He's running for re-election as mayor of Salt Lake City, and. You know, maybe he's old as dirt, if you want to say that. He's definitely <laughs> older, but he's got experience. And of course, there's been criticisms of him, but he's getting back in there. And just the very fact that he got in there, <laughs> he's making a commotion. So having a commotion of some sort can definitely help our movement. So long as that we're not in the act of hurting other people and taking their stuff. Right. Sorry, Jacob, didn't mean to interrupt you. Go, please, please. No, sorry. I mean, that, that was pretty much it. I just, I want to see every time somebody turns around, we're, we're there with our message. Because I've I've had one hell of a time trying to argue back against the fact that we're not just Republicans that smoke weed, uh, you know we're not. Uh, I I've heard some of the craziest uh, comparisons to Democrats, you know, trying to just break that down. And of course, there, it's always going to be there a bit, um, but we 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 could definitely uh, just get a little bit more hungry for the for the result of everyone being like, Oh yeah, the libertarians, I, I know what that's all about. And then uh, word of mouth is the best advertisement you can get. For sure. 
Jacob, if that don't mind, I want to invite everyone who's listening who have maybe not taken that next step to join, sign up for the party. You don't have to change registration. If, if changing a political registration is a barrier, that's not even necessary to join the Utah Libertarian Party. Uh, there are people who are you know, non-politically affiliated, Republicans, Democrats, different parties who are dues-paying members of the Utah Libertarian Party. So that is definitely not an obstacle. And I encourage anyone who's watching this or listening for the first time, or maybe your third or fourth, 10th, 20th time, and you feel motivated, please do it. Please join us. We can use your help. And together, we can really promote uh, having candidates on our ballot that will promote uh, freedom. Attack on to that. Yeah, and it, it, I think that's great, Phil. Um, and if you're not sure, if, you know, if, if you're not sure what libertarian, you know, what libertarians stand for, um, we have meetups uh, every month. Um, our counties, our counties have meetups uh, where you know a bunch of local libertarians get together at local restaurants, and um, you can find that on on uh, on Meetup, the Meetup app. Um, also on our Facebook pages, and I don't know, if, Jacob, if you want to link to those in the in the notes or, or anything. But um, yeah, they, they they should all be linked. Uh, also, I've had that uh, bar at the bottom scrolling for our website, which does have uh, hyperlinks over to the social medias and everything. Yeah, but that gives you a chance to come interact with libertarians, ask all the questions you want. It's kind of a, you know, ask me anything. I've had, I've had numerous people come to these and just ask, well, what do, what do you think about this? And what do you think about that? And there's places where you might disagree. There's places where you might find a lot of agreement. I mean, I think, I think Jacob, something you said earlier is, is very true. Uh, most people live their lives as libertarians. Uh, you're not out there using force to try to make people live the way you want. Uh, you're not stealing from people. You're not spying on them. You're not killing them. Most people live their lives as libertarians, and you're going to find a lot of things that you agree with. Um, so I would just encourage people come on out, meet us. We're 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 very active. Uh, we're doing things in the community. I want, also wanted to mention, Jacob. You know, the Weber County and Davis County have teamed up. We're doing a a, a winter clothing drive um, for people who are who are uh, cold, especially in this time whenever prices are so high. Uh, a lot of people can't afford. Uh, winter clothing. Um, and so we are trying to collect winter clothing and, and, and do our part to help serve the community. So. Especially during the uh, little, uh, the politically slower time, we, we want to stay active and keep doing something. Um, I would definitely recommend anyone coming out, <clears throat> whether you uh, side with us or not, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, I don't know too many people who are opposed to having a friendly debate. Um, there's nothing wrong with it. And, you know, most of us uh, go out to great restaurants so you can come hang out, have a good conversation, find common ground or not, but either way, it could still be a good time. Um, just, just those people who think words are violence. They're, they're the ones who <laughs> don't enjoy a, a healthy. Debate. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a special kind of breed, isn't it? <laughs> And, well, I, and those, many those, those people are certainly welcome. They they can come and they come right. in, right? Yeah, uh, I I will gladly sit there and uh, spend way too much time time trying to convince them that <laughs> words are not violence. I'll I'll get a 
it'll end up being personal to me so i'll have to f- see <laughs> see the goal through that's right so and neither is tomato soup on a van gogh at a splashed on a on paintings that can't uh, be violence either right no no that's not vi- that's not violence that is uh trying to save mother earth there you go <laughs> <laughs> because i mean if you know humans are parasites but we've got to save the earth and the earth is so important because we live here for some reason i i don't get it you know i hate pollution as much as the next person and i like clean water and clean air but some of those people it's just ridiculous what a waste of tomato soup right yeah and <laughs> come on van gogh he was a great painter so a little crazy but it's okay well thank you so much for uh join me joining me tonight um i do want to try and get more of the uh utah libertarian party members together maybe quarterly or once uh once a year twice a year something just to be able to add to that whole getting our message out there um it's really important to me i know it is to everyone else as well uh which is why i wanted to do this um Plus, we work our asses off all year long. And, uh, you know, I've come to respect you guys. Um, You guys are my extended family. And uh, I think we have a a really bright, uh, successful future ahead of us, especially within the next year. Uh, I'm really proud of all the work that everyone's done. And I'm excited to uh, have that continue. So uh, everyone's still watching. Make sure you hit that like button, share, uh, leave a comment. That actually helps grow the channel more than pretty much anything else. And uh, I'll chop this up and we'll have little segments we can post everywhere and it'll, it'll be fun. So any last words before we get out of here? I think, I think uh, the Utah Libertarian Party is, is trending in the, the right and a very exciting direction. Um, I'm excited to be a part of it. Um, and I just want to thank you, Jacob, for having us on. Uh, this is always a good time and it, it helps us get that message out. Jacob, thank you for your inviting me to be here. I agree with Adam that this is an exciting move to be part of, and let's work together to bring Liberty amongst our lives and let's keep working individually in our, in our personal lives and family lives to promote Liberty, to help us, uh, achieve our dreams um, of having happiness. Yeah, I agree. Well, thank you both for joining me, uh, hang out for a minute just to make sure, uh, we got the recordings, uh, figured out and everything. Uh, otherwise, uh, that's it. So thanks for tuning in and until next time, stay free, my friends. Thank you.